You're listening to The Comedy Cellar, live from the table, on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. It's live from the table, the official podcast of The Comedy Cellar here on Sirius XM 99, Rudog. And this Says is you. This is your host, Dan Natterman. And, of course, if you're a regular listener, you know that that must mean that Noam Dorman has come up with yet another excuse not to come to the show. And in this case, it's a sore throat that has kept Correct. him away from our microphones. And he's saving his throat up because later he'll be singing holiday music here at the Comedy Cellar Olive Tree Cafe, as they've been doing all week. Uh, so come on down for the holiday music. They'll be here until, uh, I think, Sunday. Anyhow, we have with us Rich Voss. How's it going? Whoa. Comedy Cellar. Oh, I'm just going from left... To write, Jackie, I didn't mean to offend you by mentioning Rich first. You offend me by being here. Sorry, Jackie. Uh, Jackie Mardling is here, legend and comedy seller podcast, semi-regular. I believe this is your second or third time. Third? Uh, my intro should have had legend, too. A legendary Rich Voss is here. Thank you. And the legendary Keith, I'm stretching the definition of you legendary. You know, they use that com- legend so much that they should take to when there's somebody there who say, and here's so-and-so who's not a legend. That's true. It's it's, you know. He's sitting to the left of you. <laughs> <laughs> hey. that, that can that laugh can only come from one I, man. I'm not a legend. I'm make legends. Well, let me introduce you there first. There you go. How's that feel? Keith Robinson hey. is with us, and we have uh, we have uh, uh, Stephen Calabria, who's kind who's of just he's not sitting a legend. At, well, uh, the he, least legendary at the table, at least. Well, that may be, but uh, I'm, I'm debating whether you're a guest or just sitting here. Why not both? Because, but, but you'll chime in if something is interesting. Sure. And Jackie, good to have you back. Um, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm trying to turn up my headphones. Okay. Uh, we, we, last time you were here, you were plugging a book, I believe. Well, uh, I actually have some left. The book. They haven't all sold out. Are you kidding? What was the name of the oh. book, Jack? <clears throat> the Joke Man Bowed a Stern. And, the have, joke, and yeah. you have to do the whole The Joke Man Bowed a Stern because if you put the in... The Joke Man Battle Stern? Bow to Stern. Oh, bow to Stern. Because if you just put oh, okay. in Bow to Stern... You get a sailing manual for seventh graders, <laughs> so you got to do the whole How thing. many books do you have? You have a couple books, right? Uh, <clears throat> I have a joke book, and I just, it, I've, uh, since I've been here, I think my, my newer joke book came out. I, I had a joke book with Simon & Schuster in 1998 that was great. It was really fun. And this one, the new one is called The, Ult- the Ultimate joke book. And well, everybody said, what's the ultimate joke book? I said, well, that's the jokes that weren't in the first joke book. I, I, I have a question for you, and don't take offense because I don't know. Do you, do you write a lot of those jokes? or Just about none. For real? None? <clears throat> Absolutely none. It, it's it's but where classic. They, somebody wrote these jokes, I assume. No. You're saying they just evolved like... Uh, this, has been, this has been a conversation. We used to stay up and drink all night long in Fort Lauderdale Comic Strip. Oh. All the years, like, I've been collecting these jokes in my head since I was in third grade. And I really do know more than anybody in the world. It's kind of scary. That's the only thing I know. That's the only thing I know. But I know them. <clears throat> and all the times, all the conversations we've had, the comics and friends and funny people, of all those people, none of them, nobody they've ever met, and nobody they've ever encountered in their lives has ever claimed to have written this dirty Johnny joke, or that or the guy joke of the guy, guy the walking to a bar, that, any of those jokes. They just have evolved what? and evolved and evolved. And it, it, well, that's an interesting 
it's thing is, true. I've never heard anybody actually claim to write any of these jokes that people tell. Well, because they, they haven't. There uh, was a uh, writer, I think, for, I don't know if it was a, he had one of the funniest jokes. A uh, horse walks into a bar, and the bartender says, why such a long face? And the horse says, I just found out I have AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> I, I swear to you. I swear to you, if somebody maybe else wrote that, because I've written so few things. But at one point, when I was doing my joke show, I said, we got to do something different. And I said, what if we take a, a really stale old joke and added a line to it? And I, I did that. Maybe somebody else did it. But as the horse oh, walks in a bar, and the bar does a wide long face. He says, I have cancer. Oh, see, and, But there's only it. two jokes it, that, that I was just... able to do. It. The, other, the other one was Mrs. Johnson, can Johnny come out? And play baseball with us. And she says, no, you know he has no arms or legs. Oh, that's okay. We're going to use him for third base. And the mother says, okay, I'll dress him in white. <laughs> but here's the kind of jokes have to be so well known. Yeah. That, you know? well, here's it's, the thing. It's, it's one joke that you did. I remember in Philadelphia, somewhere you was in Philly. And I never forgot that one joke. It was like 86. I you probably did. told it last night. Everybody goes to Dallas. Oh, God. <laughs> That's my favorite joke. How does it go? <laughs> well, it's a visual joke, but I actually did that joke on a Red Fox video that Dice still claims was his launching pad. It was a Red Fox video with me and Dice and Schimmel. And a guy, uh, Red Fox had a protege. I, I forget his name. Ronaldo or somebody. And... The girl, what was the girl's name that was Lenny Bruce's girlfriend when he died? Kitty? Uh, no. Not Kitty, no, it's his daughter. It's uh, she had a real weird name, but it was, it was an like actual... a strippery name. It was called Red Fox's Dirty, Dirty Jokes, and that was the last joke that I did. Uh, and people used to come and say, do Dallas, do Dallas. And now yeah. Gilbert Gottfried is doing kind of yeah. these, these types of jokes. He's the, as far as I know, he's the only guy, the only other guy that's really telling him. And I swear to God, Gilbert came on the Stern Show 4,000 times, and every time he came in, I told him another dirty joke. Well, you know, Gilbert was doing uh, obscure oppressions of of people that you had to be forty five to seventy years old to get. But he do impressions of yeah. a guy doing impressions yeah. of somebody. It was so off the wall funny. But I mean, his Brenner was fucking amazing. But Dave, narrowcast. Yeah. I, oh yeah. Like I, you I, talk about Dave Hawthorne. When I started with Dave Hawthorne in nineteen seventy nine, he did like eight impressions, and they were all dead. You know, who remember, oh, yeah. nobody remembered Walter Brennan in 1979. Yes, you know, when he did Walter hey, Brennan. Luke, hey, Luke, you know. <laughs> but wait a second. Like, I thought for Stern, you used to threat, throw him one-liners. I never wrote or told jokes on Stern ever. You didn't I was throw writing, him anything? Yeah. What I was doing is if, if you were talking to him, if you're talking to Danny and you guys are having a conversation, and I'm, it's a, if there's three guys here, and... Theoretically, I'm funny. Yeah. You guys are having a conversation, and I think of something witty to add to the conversation. Instead of saying it, yeah, you would. I write it. it and hand it. So you're not just funny as you. You're funny as you plus me. So that made him. Well, so so what I'm saying is, because I know you did that for you, that your ad lib skills are as quick as anybody, because that's ad libbing basically. Well, it was totally improv, which yes. is which is. Diametrically opposed to my act, which is just ridiculous. But so if you're on stage, because we never worked together in all these years, which is surprising, because, you know, you're not going to open for me. So anyhow, <laughs> if somebody heckled you in the audience, would you ad-lib or go out or just... You know what i do? I would ad-lib 
something that worked in 1979. You know what I mean? You get to where you have you just you have your arsenal. Yeah. You know, and and they and you say them before even know, it's like a knee jerk reaction. Well, Vols, you, know? you did open for me in 1986. I remember by accident. No, it wasn't by accident. <clears throat> it was, it was one night. <laughs> it's the way it should have been. And I was in the back. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was in the back going, who is he? He stinks. Jack, if we don't know who, who wrote these jokes, then do we at least Me and know? Colin Quinn wanted to get together and try and do a, a special on this, and I still think it'd be great. It sounds like, if it's what I think it is, it sounds like it could be good. Well, what it is, I always tell people, you know, people say, oh, who wrote this or who wrote that? Because there's nothing new. If you, beca- I'm a scholar of this crap, mm-hmm. you know, and I've found, you guys all saw The Aristocrats and the, and the book... By Gershon Legman, the guy went around and collected jokes, and he had everything I've ever heard was in there from 1930 and 50, but they were from a million years ago. And I've told people since Adam, let's just say Adam and Eve, since Adam and Eve, if you think that you could come up with something unique and funny about shit, piss, fuck, vomit, anything, that hasn't been already said and joked about. What what kind of ego is that? I mean, you know, it's all been said. There's fart jokes, like there's books full of fart jokes from the year 1200. If, yeah, but if, then, then you're saying regular, not I mean, then you're saying monology or stand-up, it's almost nothing can be original. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, it, it can be because obviously it wasn't a microwave when the monks were writing the, you yeah. know. Well, people, you know, uh, <laughs> you always hear jokes after like a tragedy, like, I mean, after this going back, but after the space shuttle Challenger uh, blew up and people said and NASA stands for need another seven astronauts. No one knew who came up with that joke either. <clears throat> but Somehow the, but it those, just. Those are written, you know, when, when we were on the Stern show, uh, I'll never forget this because the first time me and Fred actually attacked that. It was Howard's birthday, and we had so many guests, and it was a little tiny studio, the first studio we had at uh, 755 Madison. So, so many guests came. Me and Fred were allocated to the back of the room. And it was the day, this is a long time ago, that Donald Manis tried to kill himself because he got caught stealing from the city or something. And it was a whole big thing where he ordered pizza, and and so there was enough juice there, and we... Made up a bunch of horrible, horrible jokes about this guy Donald Manis, and how to do the jokes. And we tell oh, Robin, look, that we just got a we just got a phone call or a fax or email, whatever it was back then, from Wall Street, because the theory was the guys are sitting around on Wall Street and they're all breaking bulls and they all got time. So they always said it came up, from Wall Street. They, also, because they had the, they before anybody else, Wall Street people had like um, tickers and and they could online. insert it. They could insert it. You know. Like when Len Bias came out, you know, like boom, or, you know, the Len Bias jokes and yeah. stuff like that. But so many of them, you know, are recycled. You read a Madonna joke, it was about Liz Taylor, it was about Dolly Parton, it was about But somebody Mae West. came up with that Nassau joke, but nobody knows who. <laughs> Maybe a lot of people at the but, same time. But what? you could have come up, five people could have come up right. with that, in, you know, it's an acronym. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there's an A, and the astronauts blew up, you know, do the math. Well, when you're doing your jokes, right? You're doing the jokes. If you're losing the crowd, what's your go-to joke to get them back? <clears throat> I don't lose them. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. No, that's <laughs> just you, Keith. That sounds silly, but there's no joke that I would really go to because, I, you know, there are stronger ones. Sometimes you might jump, but I very rarely jump because sometimes they get tired or whatever, you know. And with me, if, my, if I'm not working, if the stuff's not working, 
the next one isn't going to do any better. You know, if they're not buying me, right. I mean, hopefully that they, doesn't they, happen. Now, some of us not, comics that, you know, we don't do what you do or what Gilbert does, but sometimes people will insert one of those kinds of jokes into their act. I mean, Eddie Murphy in, um, in I think it was uh, Delirious, did a joke the about the bunny, and the, and the bunny and the fur, you know, yeah, here's one you can take home with you, whatever, however they phrase it. But, uh, you know, I don't know what, what do comics think about that. Well, I mean, it's it's I know. fun. You know what? I get so pissed off when people look down their nose at the concept of jokes. You know, I never got, I got a little famous on Stern, but I never got really known. And I have done nothing for 40 years. I've never been on HBO, no Showtime, no Central, no nothing. Because all I've done for you're, 40 years is make box. people laugh their fucking balls off for an hour and come up and say, I never laughed that hard. Yeah, no, you don't learn right. anything. You don't go away with anything. It's just... Stupid, stupid. But it's an art, art. What's our job? Yeah, but you know, make what, them laugh. You were, I think, one of the first to start doing merchandise. <clears throat> you weren't you? Like, I mean, I, I really was the first, and and it was the first comic. Yeah. Oh, please. See, you know, when I started, you know, like Robert Klein had an album with like probably CBS, and uh, Richard Pryor has it. But these, those were big, huge companies, and I had worked at a recording studio because I was a musician and I knew how to make a record so I rec that place you were talking about Fr Free Will and Eddie's whatever it was it was called Cinnamon in 1979 yeah. <clears throat> that was the first comedy show on Long Island and me and Richie Minervini did the show there and I had my amplifier and on a cassette I recorded me on one side and the, and the crowd on another side and mixed it down and cut it up, you know, the, the half-inch tape. I cut it up with a razor blade and made it great. <clears throat> Borrowed 100 bucks from 15 different people. Took my class picture where I'm giving the finger and sent it to Nashville. And I'll tell you, when I picked up those albums at Port Authority, you would have thought I was picking up quintuplets. I, I had a horror, you know. And then I'd go to my shows, and I'd stand there and sell them, and the guys would make fun of me. They would break when I went to Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. I'd be, I'd autograph my album and sell them for five bucks, and they'd break my balls. And then one day somebody said, "Wait a minute, we each made forty bucks, and he's walking out of here with an extra eighty. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he's not that Keith, stupid." I know, know uh, Rich has a few albums. I have one, but I Keith, have, do you, how have many do you have? Five. Five albums. Okay. I, uh, but Keith, do you have an album? I have an album. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, I got to tell you an album story. I'll do it real quick. Now, you didn't do you, Mine were on, like, literally yeah. on wax, like 33 and a third. Now, my, Your stuff is CD, CD, right? CD. But I was as down on my luck as I possibly could have been at one as point. now? Yeah, no. <laughs> no at, what, <laughs> working Dangerfield? Yes, I took it. I, so I took uh, my ex-wife. It was Christmas coming up. So I'm driving home from a one-nighter in Ohio, whatever. <laughs> And I see all these cassettes in the truck stop, right? You remember that? The truck. I'm, and I'm sure I have the same story. Okay, no, no. So I talked to Vic Henley. He goes, this is the guy. The guy says, send me a demo. So I went to Stand Up New York. I didn't know. I did a clean set. I thought that's what... He calls me back when I'm broke and goes... Uh, you're not right for truck stops. Because <laughs> you made it clean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody called me, <clears throat> said they were in a truck stop down south, and there was a a a, a, a wheelbarrow like a like a, a bucket. What do you call it? One of those wheelbarrow. Yeah. One of those. What's the word? Barrel. barrel. Bin. A huge barrel yeah. <clears throat> full of my cassettes. Keith, do you, do you sell? So they okay. just they just bootlegged them, made them, and sold them. I had no idea. You and you know who else did that? <clears throat> Good luck. 
Yeah. I think my guy was selling them out the back. Bud Friedman yeah, with, uh, recorded all the guys out there and sold, you know, sold the cassettes the evening, all the... With the evening at the improv, yeah, right? Yeah, and took, you know... I wasn't involved in that, so I don't, yeah. you know... Because they called me up at the Stern Show and said, can you do something about this? I said, listen, Howard's not going to... You know, what's he going to do? Say on the air, like, nah, 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 what did, you know, yeah. please. Keith, when, when did you do your last album? <laughs> I did for the Back of the Bus Funny. They made oh. an album. Oh, they made an album. That. Oh, that was your, that was your uh, Comedy Central or HBO? Yeah, Comedy Central. Well, it's Comedy Central... Netflix, uh, and do you Hulu, sell, do you sell it when stars. you go do shows? No. Okay. I'm not, I mean, I I'm not it, like that. I yeah, mean, it, 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 not everybody is. I it, can't hunt <laughs> uh, my albums like Rich just, Voss. First of all, I'm making my sixth album coming up, and in life, you you can't keep what you got unless you give it away. And when I leave my legacy, at least six fucking albums. And also, well, I'm on TV, movies, and all that. So that's a difference between me and you. (laughs) You want to swap? I made made movies. You don't want to do those bit parts he does. Okay, now the black guy. So, uh, uh, what do you call? I bought my wife's engagement. This dude, I was at a 12 cent meeting. I go, How's your girl? He goes, We broke up. I go, What do you do with the ring? He goes, I got it. I go, you can't keep it. And I went home and I took my CD money out of the safe and I bought his engagement ring. And did you scratch off the initials? And (laughs) I gave it to my wife. No. (laughs) Money changing in. I I make money on on, uh, on, uh, Sound Exchange, a serious satellite radio, and they play it. That now the big money is with clean jokes because they play it on. Uh, there is yeah. so much USA. room. There is so much room. And they play room. that shit to death. They are yeah. so hungry for clean stuff. If any of you guys have clean stuff, you know, yeah. I have clean stuff mixed in with the dirty stuff, but I don't think they perceive me as a clean guy. So I, I don't know. They don't play me on that channel. Let me, let me tell you a typical story of, of a joke. Okay, <clears throat> a friend of mine wrote a one man show called George M Tonight. And it's a one man show. The story of George M Cohen. And the guy, the actor was fantastic and his brilliant play, Chip DeFetta, his name is, the guy that wrote it. No, no jokes, just his, his, a life story. In the middle of it, at one point, there's one joke that George M. Cohen says, okay? So I'm thrilled because that's, that's the joke that I bombed with so bad at the Don King roast. I'll tell you a joke later, but... <clears throat> so... I said, you know what? I can't believe George M. Cohen did that. I can't tell you the name of the joke because the name is the punchline. <clears throat> and he said, you know what? I tell you the truth. The entire show is the truth, except for that. He never did that joke. He said, but I really wanted to put that joke in the play because that joke was told to me when I was a kid by, uh, oh, now I'm not going to think of the actress. Okay, kid, hello, Dolly. Carol, Carol, Carol Channing, Channing was a friend of the family, and she told that to the family when he was a little kid, and told them that she had been told the joke by her grandmother. Wow. So that, <clears throat> that's like five or six generations just there for the one joke. Uh, but it's, uh, there's a million versions. And the reason I did my version was because it was Don King and it was a fighting audience. But, you know, you got to go up there and spit one line. You know, they, they have no attention span no. for two, So, but the joke is, and you guys probably heard it, but if you haven't, 1958, and Floyd Patterson is going against Ingemar Johansson in the, in the World Heavyweight Championship. And uh, the announcer comes out and says, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Madison Square Garden. In this corner, the challenger weighing 220 pounds in the black trunks from Sweden, Ingemar Johansson. In this corner, the champion.
queen of the world from the United States, 250 pounds in the white trunks, Mr. Floyd Patterson. Before we begin our bout, we have to sing the national anthem, the lovely Kate Smith. And someone in the front says, Kate Smith, that fat twat, she sucked every cock on the East Coast. And the announcer says, Nevertheless, <laughs> <laughs> I heard Rick Crone told me that joke, which is a cla classic, and there's so many versions. And you know, he says, and now Mary Mary Smith's gonna dance for you, and somebody yelled, Mary Smith's a whore, and George M. Cohen says, nevertheless, you know, that, that's a classic, classic joke, you know, and that's been a, but you could see how, because yeah, everything's a twist, you know. And yeah, that he, joke could have theoretically been told in, in ancient Rome about Cicero. Well, Cicero is a, you know, that, and so and so. Caligula. Yeah, Caligula is a fat <laughs> idiot. Nevertheless, you know. I mean, Can I ask all you guys a yeah, question? So all you guys are joke tellers. What do you make of the new movement among the up-and-comers, younger comics, to get up and tell stories? First of all, I, well, we're different. We're all different styles. Jackie, Keith, and me. No, wait, but was he, were you being funny or are you saying... No, I, uh, no. No, we always kids. tell stories. Yeah. Everybody tells a story. Hey, I, you're well, talking no, about, I don't, that's nothing you're not new. You're talking about story. Well, I'm talking about you guys. Lines, uh, uh, well, you guys are principally set up punchline, no, right? No, no, no. Yes, no. I'm trying to be as personal as I can about my life. When I'm up and there. And make it funny. And Yeah, make it funny. If some are one-liners, but I try to... And how I see things in life and what I'm going through, through all my, di my divorce, recovery, drug addiction, to kid. So I try to be personal because then when the audience walks out, they go, well, we know him. Right. Yeah, right. but. They know him. How long ago were you a drug, addicted to drugs? 32 years clean. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you're good now. You're saying you should, you should, up, should update. Yeah, update. No. The no. night is I'm young. I'm sick of your shit. I'm sick of you. You don't well, have to listen to me, uh, but I have to see you. Um, you know, it's nothing new, uh, Stephen, about uh, telling stories. I mean, Woody Allen had a whole long story about a moose, you know, or a Jewish couple dressing up as a moose. You, you're familiar with that. Yeah, so, yeah, but that wasn't uh, the prevailing prior, approach. But well, he wasn't doing personal stuff. He, if well, was, prior was. If wasn't he was, he, or, he was like, hey, when I was with that 60-year-old. <laughs> they, said, they said the turning point was Le before Lenny Bruce, it was Catskills and jokes, and after yeah. Lenny Bruce, people started, you know, Here, talking about their life. Here's the deal, in my opinion. Okay, comics, and I'm not talking about, you know, the, the, the Mark Normans and the Joe List and those guys and the dance. I'm talking about the newer comics right now are so fucking entitled because they have, they think they have a podcast with 500 listeners. So they'll say, like, they attack comics that are, you know, that have achieved stuff. Like when that I have started, done something. I, when I started, I would have never went after even like a Joe Bolster or a Wolfberg or you know what I mean. Not in your wildest dreams. Because I respected comedy and comics. You knew what it took well, also, to how get would to you go after anybody that was no podcasting or social media? No, well, they, whatever. But, but in I'm general. Saying, but I hear what yeah, you're yeah. saying. But <laughs> it was also easier now for people to trash people. Yeah, but but as as a young comic. They have no idea the history. You could ask. If somebody not, came up to you after a show and say, hey, I saw a guy last night. I saw Dennis Wolfberg. I thought yeah. it was great. You wouldn't have said, oh, he no. sucks. Yeah. He's a jerk. He, Ever. No. In well, a years. I have and to also, cop to. Yeah, go ahead. But wait, hold on. What? Uh, nine I'll out, get to if it. you ask nine <laughs> out of ten comics now, who's Bob Newhart, who's Steve Landisberg, who's Red Fox, 
who's uh, Sid Caesar. None of them know the history of comedy. Do you realize? Well, what, you, you realize know, where we are. You know, old man uh, not, yelling people to get I off was, the lawn. When I was a kid, I walked five miles to go to school. That's no, no, uh, no. I, I, I agree with. I agree okay. with Okay, ask anybody if they know fucking uh, Sid Caesar. What would no, they, they don't no, have to no, know Sid well, Caesar. No, 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 you have to know the history of what you do. There's so many of them don't know who Johnny Carson. Well, is. I don't know if you, I'm have, serious, if you have to know the history, but but I do agree that you should respect people that have been doing it a while. Okay, but but ask, I will I will cop to Sid one. I'll ask Dan who's Von Meter. Von Meter, I don't know. I know. <laughs> you know JFK what? impersonator yes. who career. ended his career. He ended his, once they were assassinated, done. From Park Avenue to Park Bay. Yeah, he no. went back up to Maine to manage a store. I, 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 why I, do I have to know, you know who Von Meter is? He did he did the first he did family nothing for me. Yeah. And <clears throat> Lenny Bruce, you know the story? Yeah. Lenny, you know <laughs> yeah, the story? Tell it. It's Lenny Bruce had to do a show like a couple weeks after Kennedy was assassinated. He was like you know, it's like going up after 9-11. Like, what the fuck do you do? And he went up, and his opening line was, Vaughn Meter is fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just so dark I know, so nobody, nobody wanted to hire him after. Oh, jeez. I, no. I was at a table with Bud Friedman and Bud's wife on a cruise. He, Bud had, like, the improv cruise. It was, like, yeah. 1998. And they were talking about Rita Rudner. I was about I was a much younger comic. Great joke writer. And I said, yeah, you know, I never really, she never really did it for me, Rita Rudner. And and which was the stupidest thing to say in front of Bud Friedman and his wife because you never know who who's friends with who. And Bud's wife said she's my best friend. Oh. And I said, I said, literally said, let me finish because I was referencing. <laughs> you didn't let me I was referencing the old <laughs> let me finish joke. <laughs> and figured at that point I was fucked. I might as well make light of the situation. Oh, that's, uh, yeah. was, but that piece of shit, you, Ron best, you didn't let me finish. It was one of the best joke writers coming up, Rita Runner, was just brilliant. You didn't think so? You didn't like her joke? I, I, I didn't like her. And, it's uh, all right not to like somebody. And no, because, because of the entitled feel of her show. But but um, because of the entitled... It, it just... She, it, it, to me, it Rita. always felt like... And she was so funny, but it almost felt like she came across like, I'm wealthy, I don't need to yeah, do but, this, but I'm doing it for a lark. But oh, she was great at yeah, it, it, and that doesn't hurt. I, I never yeah. got that sense. I just uh, didn't... Uh, uh, I, didn't appeal to me. I yeah. interviewed her for our movie, Women Aren't Funny, and I talked to her, and she did all the one-nighters before the fucking dress. She did all the shitholes. Oh, she used to she come was, out the east yes, side and do yeah. all those one... You know, yeah. She did the whole thing. Then she found her character. It's just like, you know, Larry the Cable Guy wasn't Larry the Cable Guy in the beginning, and he became Larry the Cable And I'm going, this fucking guy went around the business... Made a fortune and and did it on his own. Dane Cook went around the business, uh, Fox, all of them went around the business and did it on their own. So you got to respect Caratop around the business. So I didn't do what they did, but I went, I jumped yes. over the clubs in the city and wound up on the radio, which was yes. go, kind of going around, not wind up in the business, but it's it's kind of the same. Yes, you, you know? did what you did around the business. You it's didn't crazy. It's do, crazy. You weren't doing Carson. Or, I mean, David Say did 14 Carsons, and what the fuck happened to David Say? Who, a, and he was such a good writer. He's, a, he's the guy. I jumped up drunk on stage on audition night at Catch a Rising Star and told the joke, and he came back in. He was hosting. He was MC. Yeah. And he let me finish the joke. And on the way out, he said, that was a good fucking joke. Do you ever think <laughs> about doing this? And I said, you heard that joke before. He said, I never heard. And I said to myself, I swear to God, like a light bulb, that's the MC at Catch a Rising Star. If he hasn't heard that joke, maybe nobody's. And it turns out nobody remembers the jokes except me. When, when I was, uh, before I even started doing comedy and watching comics on like Letterman, and 
I only knew the comics that made it, you know, like uh, Seinfeld and, and, and Riser and all these guys. And I thought everybody made it. But I didn't realize there was a whole... Those are the comics, you know, and they're all famous. Yeah, I didn't realize there was a whole group of people that didn't make it. You know so those. I figured oh, all I got to do is come up with 10 good mi killer minutes, and, and I'll, have a, I'll have a sitcom too. Which didn't really come out, turn out like that. You know how funny some guys were? Like back then, like Dennis Wolfberg and Joe Bolster, these were the biggest acts back then, you know, on TV. And and, and they were, you just, you, you're going, it's so fucking amazing. Watch, watching Dennis Wolfberg just destroy a room was crazy. And he was clean. He wasn't dirty. I, he, he was a school teacher. And talking about one-nighters, we did a one-nighter at the Ground Round in Livingston, New Jersey, with peanuts on the floor. <laughs> Me and uh, him and Peter Bales, the night that he had called up and told them he resigned as a teacher, that he was going to do comedy full-time. And he was so excited, and we had a killer show, and we get about two miles on the way home, and my car dies. So I leave Bales and Wolfberg on Route 3, hitchhiking in the fucking winter. I'm like... Good move, Dennis. <laughs> here, here, by the way, I, I have um, Regu Ren, who works here. He's our sound guy. He posted on uh, Facebook a couple weeks ago a seller, comedy seller list from 20 years ago, from 1998. And first of all, it's a lot of the same people. It's Greg Rogel, Greg Giraldo, Godfrey, Modi, Hood, who's not working here anymore, Jeff Ross, Pete Corrielli, Tom Rhodes, me, Robert Kelly, Jim Norton, Russ Maniv, Judah Freeland, Eddie Gift. This is from one night in 1998. But wow. nobody on this list is over 35 years old at the time. Now, where were all the 40-something or even 50-something comedians in 1998? Because they weren't here. Now, if you look at the list, everybody is in there. Not everybody, but half at least are in their 40s and 50s. The, chick the chickens were, were being born, you, you know. Like the whole... They, yeah. they were out. I know what happened. Those guys were all the guys that went to L.A., like the Mike Langworthys, the Mike Rose... Steve Scrovan, all those guys went to L.A. and became writers and showrunners. Road Seinfeld show, right. Yeah, and showrunners. And they were doing the road, and too. And what's God took a lot of with them, too. Um, uh, Ray Romano. Ray Romano. Took them with, so was a lot of but this is, three, yeah. well, this is about out. when Ray hit, and it was 98. Yeah, Ray hit. Well, yeah, when was, did Ray hit? That was 20 About years 98. Ago. 20 years ago? I think ago? it was 98 when Everybody Loves Raymond started <laughs> roughly at that time. Yeah, that's Maybe a little Ray earlier. But, like but 19... everybody was getting sitcoms back then. Yeah. Like 1979 so you're saying the older 80, people... there weren't any older guys. And, and, it could be that, yeah. and it could be that there just weren't as many. But, I but think there that was no the... place to, to be nurtured in 1960 and 1962. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, people were starting in the early 80s. And, yeah, and the 80s. So you remember yeah. Chris Rock had a show in 98. The, the Chris Rock show yeah. on HBO. That's when the that show was 98? started. Yeah, that was 98. Wow. And so Chris Rock took Wanda with him. Uh, Lance. Louis? Lance, Lance Louis. Brothers. Louis C.K. was with him. So Mario Joyner. All, yeah, all these shows being, you know, was, was being taken up. That's where all the comics were going to. But I do think there were less people in their 40s and 50s doing comedy You're at right. that time, too. You're I right, think. because they were either in the cat skills before that or, or doing stopped the, or, yeah. or, you know. So if you guys well, could I take I think more people are coming into comedy anyway right now because they see it everywhere, and it's almost becoming like a normal thing to do. Yeah, it's like it, it, when I was a kid, I would have never thought that was a choice you could make. I yeah. thought you had to be anointed. No, no. Yeah, I remember I was in, in school, in college, and I said to the drummer in my band, what's your major? And he said, radio and TV. I said, what are you... 
I thought you can't choose that. You have to be anointed. You got to be plucked out. It was just something you could take, you know, literature or take radio and TV. Who who knew that? You know. But Stephen. Well, I was going to ask if you guys could take it all away. Would you rather come up in the business now or when you did? Is it easier now or was it easier then? When we came up, first of all, we were so close. We had such. I mean, we were. There was camaraderie. Yeah, we were tough crowd before tough crowd came on the air. Me, Keith. Patrice, Norton, Colin, DePaulo, Billy, Kevin, Kevin Who's Hart. Who's Billy? Billy, Billy Burr, Burr. Kevin Hart. So we were doing, and then Colin had this concept that was fucking amazing, you know, tough crowd, which if that lasted two more years, Keith and I would be famous. <laughs> no, we, we would no, no, because of what's going on, we would. We have probably been in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> well, I you know I'd I'd rather be young if I could take my jokes with me, but you're not offering that. I suppose. No, no. no. You're, you're coming up in the business now. If I could now. go back to being 25 and take all my jokes with me, obviously I would do that. How old were you when you started? About 23. I was 28. Yeah. And how Keith? How old? 20. You were 20. I, I saw that. Star, was, how old were you on that Star, star Search clip I saw at Amy's house? Star Search, I was 90, uh, 93. That was uh, about 29. I was 31. 31. I was old. Well, you, you, were in, you were in the music business prior to that. Well, in theory, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was Rodney's old joke. I, yeah, I quit music. And to give you an idea how well I was doing, I was the only one who knew I quit. You know, <laughs> but you could have done a young comedian special. You didn't do it. <clears throat> yeah, if I got asked to do it. Yeah, but I do the old stupid jokes. You know, Rodney was like a pal, but I, I, I just didn't fit anywhere. The only thing I did was make people laugh and book people. But Red Fox know. did a lot of those old jokes. Oh, yeah, no, he was the guy. You know, he had a lot of he had a, I, tons the of dirty jokes that made me. Yeah, to have me rolling. Oh Christ! When I met him backstage, when we did that dirty, dirty jokes, me and Dice and them, he said, "I heard of you, Jackie Motlin. I heard of you and your records." Because I was the new guy in the block with the dirty records. I heard of you and your. Well, records. I guess you know the the test if, if, as to whether anybody wrote those jokes, and it's hard to believe somebody didn't write them. But nobody sued Jackie Marling. So that, that's I have never had a person in my life come up and say, "You know, that's my joke." Although I have seen people do. My exact version of a joke, which to me is as much thievery as anything, because you take a joke and you, you know, people say, oh, they're old jokes. I say, all right, here's a joke book. You find the 50 jokes in here that'll work on stage that you can sell. I defy you, because I, I did it organically. I've been telling these jokes for 70 years. I know what works to people. I know what I could sell. I did it's, it sounds you. ridiculous, but they're... There's I told you everybody's going to Dallas a couple of times. It got me out of a lot of trouble. <laughs> Someone came up. Here's a joke. I can't even say because I feel like a fraud. But after a show, somebody gave me a bit that I did that was so good. And I've done it for years. When, and I'm going, that person couldn't have wrote that joke. But no one ever approached me. And the joke was, if Moses would have walked two more miles, we'd have, we'd, a- we'd have all the oil. And it's one of my, you it's still do my, that today. I did it last night. That's <laughs> a, a great, great joke. So, but so, and that's the only joke I've ever taken from an audience member. And you have, for all you know, he heard Steve Allen do it. I know. You know in, I know. It could be. You're right. But you know, so you, you know, Bernie the, the, Mac used to close his show with uh, a joke, joke, and then destroy. So did Patrice. Oh. Yeah. It's funny. They're funny. You know, uh, you talk, talk, Rodney, this was a great story. I, I hope I didn't tell us. If I st- told us last time, tell me to shut uh, up. 
there I were, probably don't remember. There were, um, if you don't remember, I don't remember. When I was with Rodney in Las Vegas, he would open mail. People send him jokes. Oh, you, you. Wait, you opened for him in Vegas? No, no, I was with him, though. I was oh. traveling because I had sold him some jokes. So I'll tell you, I no. said to him, let me look at the jokes. Maybe something doesn't strike you. You know, you never know, you know. So he's opening the mail and passing them to me. And mostly horrible, horrible stuff. But we're, we're reading them and stuff. So he got to trust me a little bit. There was one joke. I, I looked at it. I said, how the, how the fuck could you pass this to me? This is the funny. This is your quintessential joke. And he did it that night to the sold out Las Vegas. And it was fucking crickets. And I screamed. You know how you laugh when the other guy bombs. Yes. And he was pissed at me for like a whole day. Because <laughs> <clears throat> it was too much for an audience to comprehend. Because, you know, she was so fat, you know. Yeah. And then, oh, she was so ugly. And, he, and the joke was... She was so fat and ugly, she had a hairdresser for each armpit, which is really funny, but it was just a little too much for the Las Vegas, you know, uh, cow catchers to catch on to. But one night he calls me up, and I'm telling this story like I'm telling you guys this story. I'm telling this story at the Friars Club to a bunch of friends. And he calls me up and says, so you got to tell me, I need a judgment call. Tell me, tell me this is too strong. Tell me this is too strong. I get no respect. I got a parrot calls me Jew bastard. <laughs> okay, so I fall down. He goes, what do you think? Is it too strong? I said, I don't know if it's too strong, but it's the funniest joke in the world. I said, but to tell you the truth, I, I lost track of him, and I, I had never, no idea if he ever used it. You know who Dick Capri is? Yes. Dick Capri is at the next table. He gets up and he says, Martling, not only did Rodney use that joke in his act, but that was his signal joke. That was his way of letting you know that he was just about done. So if you were in the dressing room at Dangerfields getting a blowjob, you better pull up your pants because he's going to be down there in five minutes. You know, that's the only time Rodney's, I think, ever acknowledged being Jewish that I've ever even heard of. <laughs> I didn't even know Rodney was Jewish. He was, but oh, he, really? I think... Jacob Cohen from Babylon? But I think he always tried to be the every guy, the every the every schnook, and so he never, I, you know, he never really brought it up. So I, it's interesting that he would, he would tell ever, that joke. Nobody justice. really thought about it, but yeah, of course. Wasn't, is that true that Seth... Seth Schultz was doing I Get No Respect and gave it to Rodney. <coughs> the story was... Well, Seth's much younger. No, was much no younger. Seth's father, father Georgie Schultz. Oh, George. <coughs> and he wasn't doing... I, the story that I always got was he wasn't doing I Get No Respect. He was doing I Insist on Respect. He was, he was yeah. a, a Jewish guy trying to be an Italian guy saying I insist on respect. I want respect. And they said that that's where Rodney came... Ron Richards, you know who that is? <clears throat> way, way back. Ron Richards wrote for the Letterman show when it was on in the morning. Remember uh, that far back? Yeah. So Ron Richards said that when they did This Is Your Life for Rodney, they said they said he was sweating bullets. Because, you know, they, he was scared. Somebody was going, do you remember this guy, Georgie Starr, oh. the guy you got no respect from? You know. They didn't bring it up, though, did it, they? I, I don't know. It's one of those things, you know, people you say, oh, Dice stole everything from Otto and blah, blah, blah. And people are so... Crazy, yeah. you know, and then you see two people, apples and oranges. You know, like Richard Lewis had a problem with Paul Reiser. They couldn't yes. be any more different. They and, couldn't be. A, and Richard know. Lewis. Hey, won. that was my idea to be Jewish. But, you know, I fucking love Richard Lewis. But you could say he was a little like Woody Allen. <clears throat> of course. Of, you know. It's a come closer problem. Yes. Well, know. I mean, people have similar styles. You know, people, anybody that does that, that absurdist one liner could be said to be uh, <laughs> of, based on Stephen Wright. Of course. You know, of course. It's like, what do you come closest to? Um, I do want to discuss briefly uh, that uh, little Comedy Cellar business. Um, the the This Week at the Comedy Cellar, the TV show on Comedy Central, is over for the season. 
And they're still waiting uh, to see, I guess, if, it, if it's going to get picked up for another season. I don't think you ever did it, uh, Keith. No. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he turned it down. He's well, in, he doesn't he's need the, He didn't need the money, I guess. Uh, I guess Amy Schumer's throwing you some good coin for that podcast. No, it's not about needing the money. I just didn't feel it. Well, I didn't feel it either, but I wanted the money. Yeah, well, you wanted the money, but yeah. I, I just didn't feel it. I wanted to do it because my wife was doing so many, and I couldn't have sit home watching my daughter, and my wife is out doing TV that I can't get. <laughs> so it was driving me nuts. And then I did, I did it one time. We did a table with me, my wife, and Bobby Kelly. And Bobby and my wife were talking down to me like I was the open micer on the fucking show. My own, I fucking yelled at my during the tape, and I go, "Who the fuck you think you're talking to?" Did you that that? Now I want to see that. Did you uh, get? Were you at, you did the also taping the the stand up part of the I show? I did a stand up once. Yeah. Here's what they sent me the the, the, the topic. topic. Yeah. But I thought that it was for Tuesday. It was for the next night. So I do a couple of jokes and but the tables what. I was comfortable doing because that's what we. It was basically tough crowd. The table was, you know, when I did the first table, it was me, Bobby, and whoever, and me and Bobby know how to, you know. But I can't do any. And then I did the table again with my wife and Bobby, and I can't do anything with my wife unless it's me and her, because if someone else gets involved, that's then, an odd dynamic. It definitely is. Yeah. You know. Well, because because we've done 350 podcasts together, we're just. But if we do it together and we will either attack the other person or they'll attack me. You know what I mean? So it just, but I'd rather do the table every time they tape that show. Fuck the stand up. I don't care about that. Well, I find it very nerve wracking because you had to, Jackie, you had to come up with, they gave you topics and you had to come up with jokes about the topic. On the spot? Well, you, you got a couple okay. days and then they taped you. Or if you had a joke in your act that somehow you could manipulate it into be like I had a joke about. Um, you about a family dinner, okay? So I just and then Thanksgiving was the topic for for one week, and I just made the joke about a Thanksgiving dinner, and it became a topical <laughs> joke, and it and it got on the show because it was one of my old tried and true jokes. Um, but it's obviously much more difficult to write a joke two days before that's going to kill that you're not practicing that that hasn't been practiced. It's doable. Yeah, it's just much but, more difficult. It, but it's you know when I started the first time I started doing. <clears throat> what wound up being Stump the Joke Man on the Stern Show, and now I do it at my shows where people try and tell me a joke. They give me the first line. I give them the answer. When I first started doing it, I called it, you know, Stump the Comedian, but it wasn't two-line jokes. I'd say, give me a topic. And it was basically that. Somebody would give you a topic, but if it was too specific. You'd back up. You know, somebody said ham sandwich. All right, delicatessens. You know, and, and before they know it, you're telling a delicatessen joke. So you kind of hit the topic they want. Which is basically somebody saying dinner or, you know, we're doing Thanksgiving or I'll take my dinner thing. Right, yeah. You no, know, but that that even, you know, when you have your act, even my stupid jokes, they have a flow and they and you tell them the same. So if all of a sudden you got to change it. Why you, know, you keep saying stupid jokes, they're fucking good jokes. Oh, yeah, no, no, but I'm saying that there's... You do them the same, so all of a sudden, right, it's, if you it's have not that easy on right, the fly it, 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 to adapt it that well, quickly. That's true. The other night I, I that's heard, true. The other night I was listening on Sirius and you were on, and you were doing a whole chunk on Jew jokes as a Jew. I'm going, can you maybe get to the Italians or the Pol <laughs> I go, I, I get it. Let's move over to the it Italians. Was, it was probably a hunk of the one of the yeah. CDs. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I usually jump, jump, jump. A, a hunk of Jew jokes. <laughs> Well, you're, I read your jokes on Twitter. You tweet jokes. Uh, yeah. And has, has that been helpful for you from a, a marketing standpoint? How do you know? 
You know, well, how, I don't how know if you're getting a lot of tell? new followers. Oh, yeah, like, no, I, you know, every time I do a, a podcast, uh, at Jackie Martling, I'll do a plug. And, you know, some days they're horrible and some days they're good and people yell at you, and they, but they go back and read them, you know. Well, you but I've been doing it for like a lot of years, you know. It's, it's getting a little thin, you know. Were you, were you friends with Bartlett? When we started, the guy from the quotations it, was, it was me it was so and Bartlett and Hawthorne, oh, yeah, Minervini, Myers, Hawthorne, and Woods. That was that was the, the seven Woods. people. And, oh, and Minervini. I think I said Hawthorne twice. Yeah. And there was, we were Long Island Seven, no blacks and no Jews. It was so weird. The only, you know, seven just Long Island guys, and we all sucked. But it was so much fun. And it was just like you're talking about. You know, there was nothing like that fucking car ride. Yeah. There was nothing like that car ride. Right? We'd be so drunk by the time we got there, you know. I worked Bartlett besides Who's being Bartlett? Because I don't know. Rob Bartlett's Rob a Rob very Bartlett. funny guy. Besides being one of the nice guys, back then, probably the strongest act in the comedy clubs at the time. When he did the fucking Beatles and the Dogs and whatever, he was just... 1990? Did he, did he have a gun, yeah. a fake, fake gun or something? <coughs> did he have what? A fake gun. No, that was probably Frankie Pace. <laughs> With a little piano. But these guys were. So, Bartlett was so fucking. Not saying he's not funny now, I just haven't seen him. But back then, you watch Bartlett and go, I'll never be that funny as long as I live. He's very, you know, Wait, and they love him. What's he up to these days? He's doing like one man shows. And- he he was uh, the com- the comedy guy on Imus for. 30 years. When I, what I was doing for Stern, he wasn't doing the same as me, but we kind of were running parallel. I was doing Stern, and he was doing, like, song parodies and bits on Imus, and the whole world knew him and loved him, you know. And he was in a... Wasn't he in the improv group with Eddie Murphy and... <clears throat> him and Murphy and Bob Nelson were the identical triplets, which was oh, so yeah. funny. It had to be hilarious, right? It was... It was... Uh, they were great. They were great. But... Dean they, they didn't really... They each did their act. You know, yeah. there wasn't a lot of interplay, a very minimum of interplay. And you know, were you friends friends with Murphy? Did you know Murphy? <clears throat> I have my my Murphy stories. You know, the uh, this oh the, the stories in my book. They, they we did a, a a show at a place called the Jade Fountain on Route 17. Yeah, I knew we were all Richard M. Dixons. We were all pals. You know, but he was. <clears throat> The day you met him at 17 years old, I'm be bigger than the Beatles. He was saying that when he said, I'm a, and he's bigger than the Beatles. But we went to uh, the Jade Fountain on Route 17, and a carload of us. And I did a Bill Maher's uh, Politically Incorrect, and he held up my CD and gave me this incredible promotion for hot dogs and donuts. And I know he didn't open it up. And afterwards, I said, Maher, well, that was a really nice plug. What was that? He said, well, it's the least I could do. For the guy that gave me a ride home from my first road gig. He had been at the Jade Fountain oh. this night, right? So it was Murphy and Clint, his right hand, his right hand guy, Clint Smith, and me and Hawthorne. And taking Mar home to the west side, Hawthorne's muffler fell out on the cobblestones, and it's the winner. And I'm under the car tying it up with a guitar string. All right. It's red hot. We're freezing. I tie it up. We're freaking out. We're coming home on the southern state. It falls again. The southern state has a no shoulder. And we're on the side. I'm under there, freezing, burning my hands. And Murphy and Clint are in the back seat breaking Hawthorne's balls about how what a piece of shit car he has and everything. I'm like, 
What is wrong with you? Like, it's a miracle Hawthorne didn't make him walk home, you know? <laughs> but that was the kind of fun, you know? And I put out an album, and I was recording my second album by now at the East Side Comedy Club, which existed. And then he came up to me and said, Jack, you have an album? This is your second album? And I said, yeah. He said, I want to make an album. And I said, I'm too busy, Eddie. <laughs> famous, famous, famous last, you know. But he was good. He, he was he was cocky, but he was fun, you know. Well, that that's a story about um, you know, he said he's going to be bigger than the Beatles. There's a story about um, uh, Jim Carrey that he wrote a check for him to himself, like in the amount of like five million dollars, and post dated it like five years hence or whatever, and and then was able to actually, you know, cover it. Oh, I never it. heard that's great. I, yeah, I don't know million? if that actually it was happened. A million. It was a million. Okay. Well. Of course, a lot of people have that arrogance and, of course, go nowhere. Yeah. You know, obviously. I did that with $75 in a <laughs> And you couldn't cover it. <laughs> you know, there is no limit to the egos, right? There, and, and, you know, the, the ego and the talent don't necessarily go hand in hand, but sometimes they do. And <clears throat> you asked about Steve Rizzo, okay? <laughs> Steve Rizzo and a guy named Vince D'Antona that was oh, ventriloquist. the nicest guy in the world. Sweetest guy in the world. They work a gig in the middle of nowhere, okay? And they're coming back, and they hear about the John Lennon vigil. Lennon had just been shot, and the whole entire world is at the Dakota. So they go there. And there's reporters, photographers, a zillion people, and they check it out. And then they leave, because Rizzo was a school teacher, and he had to be at school at 7 o'clock in the morning. <clears throat> now, he lived out on Long Island, but he taught further out on Long Island. But this is in the hinterlands, and so to get a copy of the Daily News, he had to drive the wrong way and then go get back to school by 7 o'clock. So D'Antona, who was just a rip, just a funny guy, goes to the diner after he gets dropped off and sees the Daily News, and he calls Rizzo. He says, Rizzo! Rizzo, we're on the front page of the Daily News. So Rizzo is an egomaniac, and he couldn't sleep. Couldn't, so he, he had to get out of bed and drive an hour this way to get the Daily News to get back two hours to school, and he gets to, he gets to the fucking newsstand and the front page of the Daily News was an aerial shot of the Dakota. <laughs> now tell me that's not breaking balls. That, now that's funny. Vince Antona was one of the greatest guys. I worked with him on the road, and he was a ventriloquist. There's Vince Antona and George and something yeah. like that. First, and we were on the road, and he was packing the dummies' outfits in another dresser drawer. He put his clothes and the dummy's clothes in a dress. Did you meet his wife? He had a wife that was a ventriloquist. No. And man. she was horrible. 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 But they did an act together, and it was unwatchable. But they'd go to clubs, and she'd pick up broads, and they'd go home with the extra broads. So he, he didn't care how shitty her act was because they'd, really? they'd, they'd three it up. Oh my God! What was that guy's name? That the, the Vincent, what? Vincent. Vincent. Vince, Vince and George. And George. And, George. Yeah. and then George quit and then went with Otto. But anyhow. Uh, so good. <laughs> uh, any any thoughts, by the way, about uh, Woody Allen new uh, revelation? Some girl, some woman says that uh, when they were when she was sixteen, uh, she she uh, gave him her number at Elaine's. And he had sex with her when she was 16. Well, if, if she's at a bar, how yeah, does he Yeah, come know? on. No, no, not that night. 
he ga- she gave him her number, and then he called her up. She came to the house. I'm pretty sh- allegedly probably knew that she was roughly that age. She certainly looked it from the pictures. Oh. Um, you know, and... and well, ha- yeah, go ahead, Keith. He's, he's a little pervert. Yeah, but, but he's Woody Allen. But, but now, if she, were, if she were 17, it would have been legal, but would you still be... To me, Shocked that gets a little crazy because yeah, if you if you put a 16 year old girl there and a 22 year old girl and a 13 year old girl there and they made themselves up, I know I'd be hard pressed to pick out who the hell is. That's suit. a Calvin Klein fucking ad. Yeah, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Uh, uh, well, I think you know, I think that, what he Elaine, likes so what is this, 40, th- 30 years later. Well, yeah, it allegedly happened when Woody was 41, so that would be whatever it was, 78 or something like that. And this was an, this yeah. was an 1978 or something like that. No, she was a white girl. This piece uh, yeah. here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing when I what say... Woody likes him young. When, when people go... Because I think it's kind of creepy to be, like, with somebody so young. Even if they're 18 or 19 and you're, like, 50, I think it's creepy. And they go, that's not creepy. I go, well, if you saw a 50-year-old man... With a 19-year-old boy, would you call that creepy? I go, yeah. So why isn't it cre- I just think it's creepy. It is creepy. It, it would it be creepy. as creepy it if creepy. it was a 19-year-old boy and a 50-year-old woman? Yes, it's creepy. Give me five. <laughs> well, that would be that would be a different kind of creep. That wouldn't be creepy. It would just be it would just be it would be weird either way. How about the 13-year-olds whose school teachers are blowing them? God bless him. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Try and do that math. And she goes to jail. Jesus Christ. Well, you can't have two different sets of laws. Is the thing. No. We all know that if you're a good-looking 30-year-old teacher banging a 13-year-old student, we all know it's not the same thing as a 30-year-old man teacher. Yeah. I think... I. I'll speak for myself. I it doesn't seem like the same thing to me. It's, it's but, like you but, watch two girls kiss, or do you want to watch two boys kiss? It's like it, sometimes things just aren't equal. But <laughs> but but, but you can't night. have two sets of laws. Of course not. So you have to just you have to you know I guess put the woman in jail. I don't know. I just want to know is. <laughs> We were having this great comedy discussion, and you brought in... Yeah, Jesus Christ, Dan. <laughs> because I think it's an... Impo- well, because on this show, we also do what's what's going on. And, topics. He's going, and, and going I think on. He's just impo- being a jerk. I think it's an important and interesting what is, topic. What is that a Woody, pervert? Let's get to it. Uh, yes, he's a pervert. Say but it. are you outraged when you hear about a, a 41-year-old man at the time and a 16-year-old... If if a 41-year-old yes. comedian today were dating a 16-year-old, how, how furious, how disgusted would you be on a scale of one He's to on stage right now. <laughs> <laughs> does it, does it matter if... Does he know it? Yeah, yes. Well, you know, because the well, truth all, is there are 16-year-old girls that carry themselves a lot better than some 30-year-old girls. And we've all been there, you know. Well, but you know who's 16. But if, look, I think <laughs> yeah, you, you well, might figure it out, especially if you've dated her, if you're dating her. Well, I, I think as a guy that has three daughters, I'm disgusted by you know, because I just think of my kids, you know. And I just think it's, yeah, it's fucked up. And... It's molestation. It's, it's but the classic up. thing is, did, did he rape her or did he have sex? Well, he had sex with her, which is technically statutory. rape if she's under no, statutory, statutory rape. statutory rape, but, what, but the classic thing is, and I'm not defending him, but say something. It seems you know, like you what, are. No be, so people no, are she, bu- she said, even today, she says she didn't mind. She's not, she doesn't. Uh, she, she mentioned to somebody, and somebody said, hey, you know. It's a story. Well, it's just a story. She wanted. I don't know why she came out with it, but she does not say that she's angry at Woody. She just says this happened. Yeah. She, she's not saying that Woody's an evil man. 
No. Yes, she but is. I, but it's not, I don't know what she's saying. She's upset his apple She's low-key yeah. saying it. Well, she, she might be saying it, yeah, she's but saying not it saying it. But, 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 of course, a lot of other people are saying it. But who's shocked at that, that, what he did? Well, then, you know. I'm not shocked. And his stepdaughter. Yes. Now, that's. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and That's maybe crazy. the 70s, they say were different. I was too young at the time to nah, know what was going on. But There's nothing different about sleeping with your girl yeah. or your wife's. Well, no, I'm talking about the 16-year-old. Now you're talking about Sun Yi. Yeah. That's, that's always creepy. But what's yeah. really creepy to me, and, I, you know, it's a horrible thing about show business, but he's a world-famous director, and he has to fish in a lane who's probably somebody there with their parents. You know, that's... That's the twit, you know. That's well, she the was doing twi- the fishing. She gave <clears throat> him her number. Said, I mean, allegedly, and this is all alleged, but but very believable. She said that you've given out a lot of autographs tonight. Here's my autograph, and she gave him her number. That's her story. Was that at a bar? That was at Elaine's, which so, is a restaurant bar. Was it's a closed now. Okay, so he could have thought. No, 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 no. No, I no. don't know. I'm not sticking up for Stop him. Stop well, sticking but up you, for him. I'm not. I don't even get since Annie Hall. I don't give a fuck. Well, when you call the house, and I don't know who answered the phone, but usually it's the father or the mother. Right. You know, I don't know what happened in this particular case, but back in the before cell phone era, when you called the house, it was typically a mother or a father that answered. He had to go how old What's what's your daughter wearing? And and she looked young enough, I could show you a picture, where you would at least inquire if you had any, if you were at all, you know, uh, uncertain. And again, this is all, you know, not verified, but again, highly believable uh, that he did this. But, um, yeah, anyway. Well, what do you want to happen to him? Nothing. She just came out with a story. I'm just soliciting your opinions. Obviously, Uh, nothing's going to happen because it's it's, well past the statute of limitations and there's no no material proof. So he can't host Oscars. Yeah, well, you know. I mean, mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely wrong. You know, that goes without saying. It's creepy and wrong. And yeah, that's your answer. Well, without saying it's wrong, yeah, it goes without saying that it's wrong. But the question now is, if if she were eighteen and it were legal, it's creepy. Would it still would it still shock your conscience morally? No, it's creepy, but it's not wrong. Well, it could be wrong and still legal. There's so many 40, 50, 60-year-old guys with 20-year-old girls. I mean, that's that's, do you see a substantial difference between twenty and sixteen? Oh, of course, of course. You know, and there are probably some 20-year-olds that are just as naive, naive and manipulatable as course, a 16-year-old course, might be. But obviously you have to establish some, you can't, the law has to come down somewhere. I mean, do you find it creepy that Mick Jagger is 75 and he's dating a girl in her mid-20s? No, I found out a well, blessing. Mid, he but, has every right, I look at but, that as a blessing. What, what, <laughs> by the mid-20s, what you're in a, she from? By the mid-20s, you're... By, by an adult, pretty much, I think. And, and, yeah, know. but he was in his 50s when she was born. <laughs> All right, well, I'll start an look argument. At I'll start an argument. I got no problem with him dating a 22-year-old, 25-year-old. What I have a problem with is them being the big, and I love the Stones. I love them. The greatest rock and roll band in the world. And the guy has no fucking sense of rhythm. Who doesn't? Mick, Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger? He's like a clock that stopped. 
that's right twice a day. By accident, he winds up in rhythm the way he's jumping around like a chicken. <laughs> well, Not, by, by sense of, are you talking about physically his dancing or his, his music, his singing? The way he's leaping around. You know, oh, I like, never noticed. Oh. So you have more noticed. of a problem with that than you do with him <laughs> well, dating look, girls he can't, he can't I was exaggerating Jackie. to make a point. To Jackie. quote Jackie. Well, you don't have to. Be, look, uh, Bruce Springsteen couldn't dance either. That dancing in the dark video uh, is an embarrassment. He stinks. Yeah, well, that's why it's in the dark. But he was in rhythm. The guy's got a sense of rhythm. And it made, what's her name, famous. Courtney Cox. And she was, there was three girls sitting there, and they were all from this agency. And they didn't know, and Bruce is, they said, Bruce is going to pick one no, of you three. No, that's not the story I heard. I, I'm, I'm in the business. Okay. Three of them. So, <laughs> he knows the lie he heard. <laughs> Wait, I'll say what I heard, and you say what you heard. There are three of them from the agency, and... And they said, Bruce is going to pick one of you to come up here, and he picked her. What'd you no, do? I heard that she was cast to be picked. And uh, and I guess they cast the other girls to be well, her friends. Well, she, oh. I mean, she was clearly the, the cutest of the three. If uh, i got to look at the video oh, again. Maybe but, your story's better. Well, I think it, it's, I don't know if it's better, but it's true. <laughs> um, and um, to have Bruce pick amongst three, I guess, teenage girls, you know, that in of itself might be deemed to be yeah. sketchy. But, um, no, I heard she was cast specifically. Did you, by the way, uh, we have to end soon, but did anybody see uh, Bruce uh, Springsteen on Broadway is on Netflix now? I did not oh, watch is? that. I did not watch that. Keith, are you it? a Bruce fan, being, being a black man? I don't know if... Uh, you know, in the 80s, that's when I started comedy, and all he was playing is a lot of Bruce Springsteen at the comedy club. So, yeah, I like Bruce. Dan, you want to hear a good Bruce story? We were sitting at my friend's house one day in the spring or summer, and they go, what do you want to do today? And they go, some band's playing behind Kane College, free hot dogs and beer. And we go there, and it's Springsteen. Well, these guys sound pretty good. <laughs> what year was this? There was like 80, it was probably 73, maybe. Oh, that's early That was before yeah. he was anybody. Yeah. And I go, this tax player is unbelievable, and so are the hot dogs. And <laughs> right, right. The, and it was Hebrew uh, National. There was maybe 80 people, 70 people. That's that's I you know the the shops at the base of the park the, the the Christmas shops there at Columbus Circle I was there the other day and I saw this stupid little knickknack and you, you get stupid gifts for Christmas I said I want to get that and the guy goes oh Jackie from the Stern Show I said yeah I said oh man I'm a big fan so nice to meet him oh that nice to meet you how you doing <clears throat> and I felt good that he recognized me he goes you know you're my second celebrity today he says he says. Bruce Springsteen was walking around with his hooded thing on, and you know he stopped there and bought something, and you know, and I'm like, fuck! I was gonna be this guy's dinner conversation, and I got I got bumped by Springsteen, you know. The uh, the uh, Netflix special is quite. I I found that the stories were better than the music because it was all acoustic versions that I didn't really. I didn't love the versions that he was doing on it, yeah. but the stories were all very interesting. Do you know well, a lot of people that went to the show? I know a few people that went to the show, yeah. It was like very expensive. It was like yeah. $500 and Some people like for cheap seats. went through the roof and other people like, you know, like I fell asleep. You know, like if you're not a huge fan, you know. Southside Johnny, every time he hears Bruce Springsteen's name, loses his fucking mind. I could have been. <laughs> Does he really? Do you... No, Southside Johnny was... The real deal, too. Yeah, they were the real deal, but they just couldn't get out from under Springsteen's fucking But Springsteen shadow. was so prolific a songwriter. I mean, Johnny has that, you know, I don't want to go home. That's his, that's his big yeah, hit or whatever. Yeah, a couple of them. Yeah, that was a big But one. Springsteen had just hit after hit after hit. I, maybe Johnny has great songs that, that, that never, you know. Yeah. 
When Springsteen first came on the scene, all they liked the Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and the Eagles, and all those guys. There was a lot of rumblings that, oh, this is all derivative. And we heard all this stuff before. Everybody was so jealous, and all of a sudden, everybody's like, "Shut the fuck up! This guy is great, and yeah. he is great." You know. Are you? I mean, I never went to one of those four-hour concerts or anything. But well, he's, he's still doing. He's sixty-nine years and, and old. He's still doing it. On and on and on and on. Jesus. Keith, you were about to say something? No, because I'm, you know, when I was coming up, I didn't, I didn't listen to no white music. I was yeah. very racial towards white music. Hey. Racist, you mean? Yeah. So I, you know, but I like. You're saying uh, Bruce turned you around? I like Bruce. I'm like, all right, I'll give him a little shot. Well, but you're also from the same geographic area as Bruce, right? I'm from South. Well, Philly. he's from Philly and Jersey are South close Philly. geographically, but a world away, I think, you spiritually. Know, yeah. well, but you know, they're connected at the hip, I think. When I was in school. They, all the black kids were playing David Bowie, Fame. They were playing Fame like they loved that one song. One Bowie. song. One white person got one song in our in our hood. Yeah. One song they, per. They hood. got in. Yeah, one song. <laughs> one song in. per barber shop. Now, 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 is it? And can I bring it back to comedy? One okay. Song is per there barbershop. are black people racist <laughs> against white comedians? Because obviously white people love black comedians. But the, the young, we used to listen to Eddie Murphy when I was in high school. We, you know, all the kids. Was, no, were any of the, no. black, the black kids listening no. to, they weren't listening to Woody George Allen. George Carlin. They were, they were listening. I, to. I love Woody Allen. He was one of my favorites. I loved Woody Allen. As a comedian or as a lover? As a lover. <laughs> <laughs> He's too old for Woody. <laughs> we must have been the only person in, in, in South Philly listening to Woody Allen. Everybody knew Woody was funny though, man. They see take the money and run. Well, his and early all slapstick that. shit probably. Woody had was more general. That was just like amazing. Did any black comedians ever do like a Woody Allen impression? That would be funny. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, that's fun. Woody's popular. You know, we we like. I know a lot of black people like uh, what's his name, Carlin. Everybody loved Carlin. Yeah, I didn't see it. What? Oh, but I didn't get it. <laughs> you, you didn't get Carlin. <laughs> I, I think black people also like Kennison. Kennison was good. Yeah. Uh, All that anguish, you know. You, yeah. yeah, you like Kennison, but Carlin was great. And uh, now, who today is doing something? And we'll, we'll end in a couple of minutes. Who today that's new is doing something as crazy as say Kennison and Dice, for example. We're both doing that something whole out of the really box. just uh, so different and so unique. Doug Stanhope. Is anybody, d do you think, uh, doing that? Well, Doug's, Doug's been around a while. He's a veteran. Oh, He's not yeah. new. Oh, I mean, new. like in the 30-somethings or the 20-somethings. Like, I don't watch, but aren't they turning in and getting more low-key yeah. and more, you know? God, I, I mean, I think edgy... You're talking about edgy. Well, I'm talking, no, I'm talking about unique. Like, Dice was ridiculously... Different. Dice, loud and, and, and so was Kennison. I don't think and Dice was so different. Well, his that character was just off his the off the, off the wall. You, yeah, that's not you can't. Nobody can deny that. Yeah, the, I, don't, well, I don't think it was you. different. You don't and, th I think. Well, no. I think it was very different. That character was ridiculous and, yeah. and insanely, I think, different. But yeah, you get guys like look. I mean, Jezelneck is a character that's kind of edgy. You know, I mean, it's kind of. But it's like more Stephen Wright. Yeah, I guess. Well, and Stephen Wright was 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 unique too, but he was unique but low energy. Stephen Wright was funny. And as and, and and fucking great. Many many people, you know, do that style. Yes. But you know, uh, is there anybody else breaking ground in a? a, a you're you right. Know? I know what you're saying. Uh, 
Not today. Rowling. And I, I don't know that oh, there yeah. is. No. Yeah, Nanette, or whatever her name is. Hannah I mean, Gadsby. Yeah, oh, God, you, the, you, the you, Australian yeah, I didn't lesbian? See it. I didn't see it, though. You mentioned Nanette one more time. I, I turned off the TV and put hot bamboo I, up my fucking fingernails. I, well, I had to. I, I will say, and no, Noam would say the same thing if he were here, because I know his opinion on this. We both thought it was interesting. Neither of us thought it was hysterically it's funny. It's not good enough. But we both thought it was interesting. And interesting is not good enough. To me, a comedian's job is not... Well, to well, be interesting. No. Well, no, no Chomsky is supposed to be interesting. Well, like, you know, made, then maybe maybe laugh. comedian or comedy isn't the right word for what she does, but whatever she does is valid. Oh, maybe oh, the, maybe anything. Anybody that's up there is valid. Maybe it's not stand up and you know, and so I wouldn't put her in the category of of, of revolutionizing well, no, stand up, but she's you, what she's doing is says When is, you have the greats that we we already know who's what. She's not reinventing anything. So we know we know who's funny. We know already who's got the goods already. And we've seen it before, and we've seen it better. Yeah, but we don't know who's coming up that got the goods. Because we just didn't answer what he said. You know, and a lot of it... Well, we talked about 20 that years ago or 30 years ago, somebody... I wasn't even in the loop. I'm doing the radio. But if somebody did Carson, even if it wasn't the career maker it was in the 70s, you knew about it. Yeah. You know, there could be 30 different comics on, on the late night shows. And you don't hear about it the next day. You don't know. Hey, did you hear that Charlie Schmidt lap was on? You know, who knows? Well, people, I mean, Carson, I don't know how many people watched every night, but there was nothing else to watch. So right, yeah, 10 right. million That's people, whatever it was. Uh, you it, know, was the, it was laser. You know, you so, were lasering so, into it. So it was a different thing. You know, I, I think that a lot of the comics that's coming up think they're inventing something new, but they're not. They think they are. You they're know, all, they're all doing me. Well, better than you, because they're making money. And they don't spit. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, you know, I think that that people are trying to reinvent comedy, and then people are trying to lower comedy to so they can dunk. Everybody wants to be able to do what we do, and may, but they want without the laughter. So they, the and stuff. that's their excuse. You know, I know how out of I am because I walk home to my apartment. I go past Caroline's, you know, three times a week. And I'll know one name on on those doors. You know, one name. You know, and everybody else is like, who the, you know. Oh, you don't live no, I'm, so I'm just that far out of it. That, that's not that they're not big. I just don't know what's going on. You, you don't know? live in Long Island anymore? You live in New York? I live in both. Oh, you know. that's how well he's doing. <laughs> yes. I made money for two years. Um, we actually have to stop. But uh, I, you I can leave. We're going to keep going. Okay, you're certainly welcome to do so. But I'm going to stop the recording. <coughs> but uh, thank you, Jackie, once again. When is this going to air? Uh, th Thursday night, which is tomorrow night. South Florida, Boca Raton, Meisner Cultural Center, if you can believe that. Saturday night, eight o'clock. A lot of old Jews in the audience. All, all of New York is he down in Boca. He tells a joke and then they tell it back to him, <laughs> and then he tell it's Meisner. Oh, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> Meisner. Well, that's an acting class joke that. You know, most, most of our listeners probably... Yeah, I think I'm going to turn on that Australian do, comic now. Really going to enjoy. Keith Robinson, good to have you for the whole yeah. podcast. You never do the whole podcast. Uh, it was So good. maybe, I don't know, maybe we did something the, right. You know, the real legend is here. Oh, what do you do? Robinson. Like, you, he does the Bob Hope he, where he, he comes in, in, I got to leave, I got he, something he, to do. He usually yeah, yells, right, uh, he comes I'm in, he yells, he tells no. he says, no, you don't know what you're talking about, and then he leaves. <laughs> Steve do, do you remember what Steve Martin did on Carson? Because Bob Hope used to come on, and he'd put him on right away, and he'd do five minutes with Johnny, all right, Bob, I know you're busy and you have to leave. So he'd get up and leave, right? So 
Steve Martin came on one time. He did this like his five or ten minutes, and Johnny's like, well, I know you got to leave. Yeah, goodbye. Thanks for coming by. And he left. And like two minutes later, you hear weeping from the curtain. He didn't see. He comes walking out. I says, I didn't have anywhere to go. <laughs> it was the funniest fucking. They were so funny, man. Oh, man. I didn't, I didn't have anywhere. Nobody won me. Steven, you had some good questions, so uh, thank we you. thank you. And, uh, Thank you for bringing oh, me back. Yes. Yeah. I'm at the Comedy Cellar in Vegas, man. What about it? Well, are you there? I'm there. That's, oh, uh, the Comedy oh, Cellar Vegas? Christmas. Yeah, I'm there in January. Will you put in a word for me? I want to work there. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I'm uh, there Christmas, you can talk to Noam directly. He'll be here later, or, or I'll, I'll mention it. Would yeah, you mention absolutely. It of course. I, of course, I would love to do it. And, and I still have to me I still on my podcast, Three Girls... <laughs> One key. And one key. Three girls in a drive. I hear, I hear, with Amy Schumer. I hear Amy's being very generous with y'all. I'm not going to give give numbers out, but. Whoa. It's not Amy, it's Spotify. Ride or die with Spotify. Well, Amy, Amy has a reputation of being very generous with her friends. Unfortunately, yeah. uh, I never oh, got Oh, wait, wait, wait. Rich well, has to plug. No, he uh, doesn't have much. I got, uh. So, anyway. Shut up, up. I got <laughs> Tropicana Atlantic City coming up. The best roast ever done vossroast.com the best roast you'll ever see vossroast.com it's pretty good it was pretty good it's a fucking and amazing roast yeah and I don't have anything but uh, I'm at Dan Natterman on Twitter I'm only at 7400 7, followers so you can help me out with that uh, thank you we'll see you next time on the comedy thank session. you